0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Let's read from Judges chapter 7. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Yahweh said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then twenty-two thousand of the people returned, and ten thousand remained. And Yahweh said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And Yahweh said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And Yahweh said to Gideon, With the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home, so the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night Yahweh said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation he worshipped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise! for Yahweh has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars, with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout, For Yahweh and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried out, A sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, Yahweh set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth towards toward Zerarah, as far as the border of abel Mahola, by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them, as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah, and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. So what we see here today is Continuing on from this fifth cycle from yesterday's text in chapter 6, the people of Israel have rebelled against God. They have worshipped pagan lords again, the Baals and the Asherahs. And so what has happened then is that God has delivered them into the hands of the Midianites, allowing Midian to oppress them for a period of seven years. Midian did so to the extent of basically swarming their food like locusts and consuming everything. So the Israelites are... Are being starved, they don't have much to eat, and they're living in the mountains and caves and dens that they carve out for themselves. Not a pretty picture. But God raises a judge, Gideon, to fight for them. We saw Gideon resist God's command four times already in the text yesterday. He's gonna resist once more today in a sense um, but the Lord works with him through that. The Lord is showing him his patience. So Gideon, who tore down the altar of Baal and earned the name Jerob Baal, that is basically one who contends with Baal, as they were saying, let Baal contend with him if he really is a god. So Gideon contends with Baal, the false god. All the people rise with him early. This would then be the third day because the last two mornings have been the test about the fleece, the do on the fleece and the do not on the fleece. Third day... They rose early in the morning. That's an easy connection to make, right, for talking with your children about things. Who rose early on the third day? Jesus from the tomb, right, on Easter morning. I'm not sure that's necessarily a, a strong connection point to this text, but just grammatically speaking. Anyway, all right, so they follow him. All right, the people go together. They go to the spring of Herod, which is by Mount Gilboa. The Midianites were camped at in the valley of Jezreel, which is about maybe 10 miles or so west of the Jordan River. Uh, It's north of the hill country of Ephraim that we've seen already in the book of Judges pretty prominently. So the spring of Herod is going to be south of that, about 10 miles. It's near Mount Gilboa, and so the army's not far, right? They're not far away from Midian. It's still a decent track because you're walking on foot. It would take a while to walk 10 miles. Anyway, God then calls to Gideon and he says that there are too many in the army. Right, the, the people with you are too many for me, which is a weird statement at first, but then you read his reason. Lest Israel boast over me, saying my own hand has saved me. The Lord is going to prove to these Israelites, because remember yesterday Gideon's complaint was, you know, where, basically, where is Yahweh? Where is this God who did all these great things for, that our fathers have told us about? He's, he's going to show. He's going to show them his great deeds for them. They are going to win an impossible battle. Because it's not them fighting, it's God fighting for them. Right? So... Here we are then, God saying this very thing. He doesn't want them to be able to think that they've done it by their own hands. So your army, too big. Whoever is fearful and trembling, can you imagine on the eve of battle, soldiers might be shaky, right? Send them home. They had 32,000 men, 22,000 go home, leaving 10,000 behind, which is the number Barak used back in chapter 4, some 40 years earlier, I guess 47 years earlier, when he went to war um, as a commander. Now, God then says, "Still too many. Send more home." And the way that He does it this time is a little unclear, right? And the way I would have you picture this for your children to help them understand this is, okay, there's a there's a, a stream. Right, a creek or a stream, and you've probably told your children not to drink from one of those, but if that's all you have, all you have is your body, so your hands, your tongue, your mouth, whatever, and the stream, how are you going to drink water? You need to drink, you're thirsty. If you want to be a little more sanitary, fine, say your sink. Right, All you've got is the sink, you've got your hands, what are you going to do? How are you going to drink from that water? And we don't exactly have the the understanding of the two different postures here of how these men drink. Because you get one that drinks with his tongue as a dog laps, right? And then you get one who kneels down to drink. But how would you drink with your tongue as a dog laps without kneeling down first? So, it's a little, again, a little complex to understand what exactly the pattern is that God is looking for as these 10,000 men drink water. But as you have a conversation, for example, if you had three kids and two of your children just said, Oh, well, we're going to, maybe we can use our hands and cup them into a bowl and catch some water and then bring that up to our mouth and drink like that. And you have another kid that just says, I'm just going to drink it straight out of the faucet. I'm going to stick my head under there and <laughs> just go to town. Two different ways to drink. The Lord has Gideon observe how these men drink and he selects the lesser way that there were only 300 out of the 10,000 that drank this particular way. Again, laughing as a dog does. What that looks like, we don't know. But he picks those 300. Those 300 are going to go to war with God, with Gideon. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Notice verse 8. Well, actually, verse 7, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you. I don't want to skip over that. That's an important important phrase, right? This is what God is doing for them. Verse 8, the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. Provisions like food and trumpets. Where's the weapons? Recall from the song of Deborah in chapter 5 that she kind of mockingly asked the question rhetorically, I guess, of... If there were 40,000 men in Israel who had shield and spear. And and there weren't, they didn't have an army of such a size. Now again we noted there were 32,000 of these men to start out with so they actually had a good gathering but they don't, they're not well equipped. Israel throughout most of her history is never really well equipped. They don't have chariots like their their most of their enemies did. They don't have even horses, typically speaking. And oftentimes, they don't even have swords. In this case, they don't have any weapons. 300 men unarmed. Here's a question for your kids. How are they going to win? The answer is, God is going to fight for them. They won't have to. That's the point of the text. That's what we're trying to get our children to hear and to learn from this. And so they go, right? They're going to go to the camp of Midian that's below them in the valley. It says below, right? Most of Scripture is going to be talked about from the the perspective of elevation. We would look at a map and say they went up to this place to fight against Midian because it's northward. But they were at the base of Mount Gilboa, and they're traveling down into a valley. So that's the perspective here. All right, chapter 8 is going to end up revealing to us that the Midianite army is 135,000 soldiers strong. Do the math. That leaves one Israelite to contend with 450 Midianites without a weapon. The odds, the odds aren't just against them. This people is like a locust group that has just swept through and demolished their crop. This people ought to have just swept through and demolished this little tiny army of three hundred people. Ought to. So God then giving the instruction to Gideon, go down against the camp. I have given it into your hands. But if you are afraid, so God still knows Gideon. Right, Gideon is his creation he knows him he knows his weakness he knows his fear so Gideon's still afraid and God gives him the, the command then take your servant Pura, Pura, go down into the camp and your hands will be strengthened God is going to let Gideon hear something that will give him an encouragement or see something we know it's hearing but hear or see something that will give him the encouragement so we learn in verse 12 that they were like the locusts in abundance all over the valley. Just picture that, right? The valley is just littered with these guys. When Gideon came, man was telling a dream to his comrade. A cake of barley tumbled into the camp of Midian. So it something small and insignificant, right? It's like a little loaf of bread rolling into your, into your camp campsite where again like a valley filled with locusts a little loaf of bread insignificant like a drop of water in a bucket here but it comes into the tent and it strikes at the tent lays flat upside down and flattened the entire t- entire people overturned the comrade answers with the interpretation this is none other than the sword of gideon the son of joash a man of israel god has given his, into his hand, Midian and all the camp. God gave the dream and God gave the interpretation, right? It is because of the Lord doing these things that Gideon is able to hear what he hears and he is strengthened by this. He's encouraged by this to go and do what God has given him to do. Go and fight. For the Lord is for you. They know who he is. How would that be so? He's the least from the least tribe, right? Um, He described himself as his clan being the weakest among the the clans of Manasseh and that his family, he was the weakest even in his own family. And yet, the enemy army knows his name. Again, God has done this. God has instilled fear into the heart of the enemy and that fear is going to be used here in in just a moment. So then we get to the next section, um, Gideon goes back to the camp, tells them to arise. Yahweh has given them into their hand. He gives every man a jar and a trumpet. Again, they're going into battle with a jar and a trumpet. And and they go to the outskirts of the camp. So basically, they're going to surround the camp with their minor force, right, in several locations, at least three locations here, how spread out these hundred men in each of those groups end up being. But they, they do so and they're going to blow their trumpets, and they're going to shout, uh, they're going to scream, and they're going to cause terror in the camp. So they do so, that's the next paragraph, at the beginning of the middle watch. Israel divided their watches at this point. It ends up being different in the New Testament, but they divide their watches into three watches of the night. They're four hours apiece, so about 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock for the first, 10 o'clock to 2 a.m. for the second, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. for the third. So this is the middle watch, so the 10 to 2 one, and it's the beginning of it. So this is around 10 o'clock at night is when this occurs. They smash their jars and they blow their trumpets. So you take your clay pot, you throw it on the ground, and it smashes. That's going to create a lot of sound, especially when you don't just have one, but you have 300 of these things, and trumpets are being blown all around you. So this is surrounding the camp, the sound of war right? Loud noise coming against them. And then they shout together a sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. And remember, the people down in the camp, because of what the Lord's doing, already have a knowledge of who Gideon is. How good that knowledge is, don't know, right? But they're afraid. And the army ran. Notice in verse 21, every man stood in his place around the camp. They didn't move. They just They smashed their jars, they blew their trumpets, they held their torches, but the army fled. Yahweh set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. The 300 men didn't need swords, right? The 135,000 are going to start striking each other down turning on one another because of the Lord's work, the Lord's doing. He stirs them against themselves. And you can talk about this as confusion, or you can talk about this as betrayal, like you know, the, the armies turning on each other because it's not just Midian. It's the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the others from the East. doesn't say in the text here, instead, we just know it's the Lord's work. God is judging this army because they have been wicked and they have harmed his people even though, again, it was his judgment. In his judgment, he brought Midian against Israel, but Midian themselves still ought to have repented. So they flee, those who can, to Abel-Mahola, which is right on the Jordan River, about 20 miles southeast of where this has just occurred. And so then the men from Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh are called out to pursue them. Gideon sends messengers through the hill country of Ephraim, so the Ephraimites are called out to pursue them. Remember, 300 men did this. And now, now that they're fleeing, right, that massive army is fleeing from 300, now Israel's going to come against them. Now God is going to call them to fight, Uh, the Israelites fighting themselves. But the Lord has already shown that this was his work, his doing. They managed to capture the princes of Midian, so future kings, right? Oreb and Zeb. And they kill them both now notice the rock of Oreb the winepress of Zeb these men had returned home which being where they are right there on the Jordan River even still on the western side of the Jordan River shows you Midian has been claiming Israelite land they've been dwelling in the promised land as they've been oppressing the Israelites which is why the Israelites again have fled up into the hills into the mountains to live in caves and dens so They are starting to reclaim the promised land.